This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I talk to Tiffany Brownlee, whose debut novel, Wrong in All the Right Ways, comes out on July 17th. And in this episode, we talk about how books helped her through being displaced by Hurricane Katrina as a child, and how a present to herself led her to write her debut novel in just 20 days. So listen in. So, Tiffany, what book hooked you? Um, I would probably say that the book that hooked me as a writer is probably John Green's The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, my gosh. I'm in love with this book so much. I've probably read it, I don't even know, probably a hundred times. And I could probably, you know, quote the entire book. I've read it so many times. But, um... I picked that book up when I was in college and I was really gearing up for the movie because it was coming out the year that I graduated college. And so I picked up the book and I think I read it in like maybe a day or a day and a half. And I was completely obsessed with it from the moment that I started reading it. He just, John Green, he just has this way with words that I can't even explain like how I feel about it. It's so good. And I want to say that I read a John Green novel when I was in middle school, The Abundance of Catherines, but that one did not hook me in the same way that The Fault in Our Stars did. I don't even know what it was. It may have been that I'd seen the trailer for the movie and I was in love with Ansel Elgort, Um, but I think that book is what hooked me as a writer. And so around that same time, were you one that was pretty consistent as far as your reading life goes. Uh, were you getting through a lot of books even while you were in college? Probably not. I think, and, and that's so bad of me to say, um, as a writer, and a, I, you know, I say that I read a whole lot, but in college it was just like there were so many things, you know, you had to study for your test and, um, you know, do your homework and all these things. And I was working a job at the same time, so it wasn't the biggest four years of my reading life but every once in a while I would pick something up you know during summer break or Christmas break or things like that and I would just sit down and read them and completely fall in love with reading all over again but um I really hate to admit that my college years were not my best reading years (laughs) so then before college uh what were what were you like as a reader? What were some of your favorite books when you were kind of in that preteen, teenager uh, time of your life? I kind of read a little bit of everything. Um, I want to say I really started, I mean, I was an early reader. I think I started reading when I was, you know, maybe four or five years old. And my parents were very into like, oh, you know, reading makes you smarter. You want to be a smart cookie. So, and I, I always wanted to be a smart cookie, as my mom would always say. So I read a whole lot when I was a kid. But I didn't think I got serious about reading until I was in middle school. And um, in seventh grade, uh, that was Hurricane Katrina year, and we lived in New Orleans. And so we had to evacuate. And that was our first ever hurricane. We just moved from San Diego to New Orleans. And um, that was our first ever hurricane. So we only packed like three days worth of clothes, not knowing that we were going to be gone for three months. And um, during that time, I had to enroll in school in Alabama. And I stumbled across the Harry Potter series and 
oh my gosh, I think I was reading those like a day at a time. And it was like perfect timing too, because it was like right in the middle of the series where they're, um, JK Rowling was still, you know, working on getting that seventh book out. And so I picked up that series and I just completely fell in love with it. Oh my gosh. It's still like, I identify with Hermione all the time. I'm like, oh, what would Hermione do in these situations? And I feel like kind of nerdy that I'm still that, you know, I'm still 26 years old and like obsessed about this series, but I really just can't let go of it. (laughs) And so would you say those books, especially kind of uh, what solidified you as a reader from then on, especially, uh, you know, from that point until now and throughout your teenage years? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I read a lot of everything when I was a teenager, anything from fantasy and historical fiction to romance and all these different types of genres. And then I think having that, you know, taste of all those different types of books kind of helped me cater to what I really liked. And so um, I kind of started to, it's really weird, I started to stray away from fantasy and then I got more into romance, you know, I mean, every girl has read Judy Bloom's Forever. So um, that's one of another books that was like, oh man, maybe romance is actually type, you know, the type that I really like a little bit more. So um, I think those really like shaped me as a reader in figuring out what I do like and what I don't like, or not even what I don't like, but what I like more. And so I think the books that I read during that time really helped me figure that out. And going back to Harry Potter specifically, because uh, you were more or less displaced Uh, for a certain amount of time uh, because of Katrina, being able to kind of go into this kind of fantastical world where Harry's taken uh, from his home to uh, this new place, did it, did you kind of find refuge in kind of the chaos that was going on around you? Yes. Oh my gosh, I did. It was when I was, I connected so much to Harry when I was reading the Harry Potter series. It was like, you know, I think he was 11 or so, 10 or 11, when he was kind of pulled into this whole Hogwarts world. And I mean, I was kind of around the same age. I was in seventh grade. So I was like 12 or 13 when I was you know, pulled away from my home to kind of go do something else. And I just really connected with him. And the fact that I could escape, you know, the craziness that was going on in my real life to some fantastical, magical world was just everything to me. It, it didn't make me feel as if, you know, it was a sad moment in my life that, you know, back home, I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, I turn on the news and everything is just like really negative about Hurricane Katrina and the city of New Orleans. It was just so nice for me to just escape all of that negativity into this fantastical world. And I think that's why I really hold Harry Potter really near and dear to my heart, because it's just a time that when everything is bad is going on, there was that one like shining light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, it was Harry Potter for me. (laughs) That's great. So then during this time, uh, when did you really kind of get the idea that you wanted to write uh, your own stories and maybe have some sort of dream uh, to be a writer one day? I think that I always wanted to be a writer um, probably from when I was in first or second grade, but it, it never really, it was a, it was a nice hobby that I liked to do when I was younger. But then as I got older in, you know, towards the end of high school and college, I was like, Hey, maybe this is like something 
that I could actually really make a reality one day. And so I don't think I got really serious about writing until maybe the middle of college. I started taking um, like creative writing courses and things like that. Um, so being able to, you know, be with that writer's community in those classes and in those courses really helped me think that, hey, I could do this. Maybe this is not so far-fetched. Like everyone, you know, everyone is always like, oh, you want to write a book? That's such a pipe dream. Um, but I think at, around that time, I started thinking this is something that I could actually do. I can make it real if I believe in myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you first started then taking it serious in college, what was your writing like? Like what types of things were you writing? I kind of started writing a little bit of everything. And I'm not going to say that I finished every single one of those projects, but it was it was kind of like me testing the ground to see like, is this something that I would really like to do? Um, like, I think I remember I tried writing a dystopian novel and that was after I'd read, you know, the Divergent series and the Hunger Games, like all those types of books. And I was like, maybe I'll try writing a dystopian series. Well, that lasted about maybe three chapters. And I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like too tropey. So I stopped writing that. Maybe I should give, you know, YA romance a try. And that kind of happened after I read The False in Our Stars by John Green. And I was like, okay, maybe I could do this. So I really started going towards that route. And I just really liked the authentic voice that I come up with in my head. And I was like, oh, this is this is the genre. I have to do this. This is the one. And I think that's what it was. <laughs> and so what was sort of that first project that you kind of really carried out and finished and started to try to send out the places? Believe it or not, it is actually um, the book that I wrote, um, Wrong in All the Right Ways, which it, that was not the original title. I'm not going to say what the original title was because it's so like oh, disgusting. I hate it. I can't believe I even came up with it. Um, but it was wrong in all the right ways. I think I I wrote it actually in 20 days, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Like I got a new laptop in 2014 for Christmas. I'd gifted it to myself. I was so proud. It was like touchscreen and everything. And um <laughs> I got that new laptop and like the very next day after Christmas, I was like, I'm writing this story and it just kind of just happened. I don't even know. I don't even know how it happened, but it just happened in 20 days. And I was like, okay. And so I was working, I'd graduated high, uh, college. And so I was working as a teacher's assistant at my middle school, the one that I was at actually during Hurricane Katrina. And, um, I was like, okay, let me see. I finished writing it, but I'm not sure if it's good. So I started handing it out to like staff members over there. And I think some of my higher reading students, I give, I'd given it to a couple, one of them um, to get their feedback on it. And um, they're like, this is so good, Tiffany. You know, they gave me a little couple pointers here and there on things that I could change. Um, but they were like, you have to make this into a real book. I would read this. And if it ever became a movie, I would watch that movie. And so, I mean, that's kind of how it happened. I, I, I look back and I'm like, did I really write this in 20 days? And I'm amazed because it's so difficult. You hear all the, all the time about how difficult the writing process is. And I'm just amazed at myself that I did it in 20 days. And I don't know how to repeat it. I wish I knew how to repeat <laughs> it. 
but <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> it's not really working. <laughs> and so let's start talking about that then. So what is kind of, uh, what is the book about? Uh, wrong in all the right ways. Yes. So wrong in all the right ways. It is about this 16 year old girl. Her name is Emma Ellenberg and she is super smart. So smart that she is graduating high school two years early and her parents are kind of upset about that. Not upset. They're proud of her, you know, but they're kind of just sad. Like, you know, most families, they get 18 years with their child before they go off to college, but they're only getting 16 years. And so they don't want their nest to empty and they decide that they're going to foster a child. Um, so they go through the, this, the system and they think that they're going to end up with, you know, a small child, but in the fostering system, you don't really get to pick that much. Um, so they end up with a 16 year old boy named Dylan McAndrews. And, um, obviously when you put two 16 year olds together in the same, under the same roof and Emma and Dylan, they end up falling in love. It kind of becomes a big conflict of interest because if Dylan wants to be adopted into Emma's family, they cannot have any type of relationship going on. And so Dylan's going to have to choose and Emma really, because she's involved in this relationship. Like do they want a first love with each other or do they want Dylan to become part of the family? And so that's pretty much what it's all about. And so then you wrote this in 20 days. So what was that first spark that kind of just fueled you to kind of rip through this thing? Um, yes. So I was, it's kind of crazy. Um, I read the book Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte in high school. And I absolutely hated that book. I think it has something to do with the fact that I hate when people tell me like, you have to read this book, which is pretty much what school is. And I feel actually really bad about that because I'm a teacher now as well. I'm an English teacher and I'm always telling students like, oh, you have to read this book. And I know they hate me because I used to hate my teachers for telling me to read books too. But anyway, um, my 11th grade teacher was like, oh, you have to read Wuthering Heights, you know, or that's what our next unit is about. So I read the book then and I hated it. And um, then I went off to college and I was like, okay, um, maybe I'll give this book another try. So I read it and I read it really quick. I didn't, it felt much longer and bigger when I was in high school, but it really wasn't that bad. And so I loved the story between, you know, Catherine and Heathcliff and everything that was going on with them. I absolutely loved the romance going on in there, but I figured that the work was really dense for younger readers. And so I wanted to create something that was kind of along the same storyline, but just a little easier to, to tackle because Emily Bronte uses some really big words. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't think that readers would like that if I really did a true retelling of the story. So I wanted to retell it, but put it on a little lower level. And I think that's where Wrong and All the Right Ways came from. I was just so into the second read of Wuthering Heights. I was like, I have to re- do this retelling. I have to make it my own. And so after that 20 days, do you remember how long the book was, like the word count of it? Oh my gosh, it's changed so much from after that 20 days. Um, originally, it was just 66,000 words. And um, now I think it's well over like 100,000 words. And I, I can't believe that I 
I mean, I was very proud of my 66,000 words, but like looking back on all the drafts that I went through and like looking back at that first one, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many missing pieces here. Like I have 40 extra thousand words to tell this story. And I mean, it's just been made so much better than what it originally was, which I'm still very proud of it, (laughs) but it's been made so much better with the help of my editors and I'm so lucky to have them. And so how did it get uh, from, you know, the the 20 days to release? So you wrote it, you gave it to some students, some uh, uh, co-workers, they gave you some feedback on it. So what was your next step then in that process? Yes, I'm I'm kind of a researcher. I like to kind of know where I'm going before I start doing things. And so I did a ton of research on how to, you know, get into the publishing business. And I first found out that you probably should have an agent because that's like your your key into the publishing, you know, business. And so I was like, okay, first I have to get an agent. So I ended up buying this book. Um like a guide to literary agents. And there were, there were thousands of agents in this book. And I just went through, like it took me a week to get through the whole book. And so I went through and I looked at every single person and I highlighted the people that I think, you know, fit what I wanted and the genre that I was going for. And so I went down the whole list, I highlighted everyone. And then I just sent out like bulks of 20 queries at a time. And um, I... Originally, I got a lot of no's, actually. It was really disappointing. I was like, I tried really hard. I wrote this really nice query letter and everything. And um, eventually, I started getting people that are like, oh, this would be a good story, but if you just change it this way or do things like that. And I kind of wasn't really wanting to budge on the story itself. But then I sent an email to Jill Kramer, and she's my current agent, and she like within an hour or so, she read the chapter samples that I sent. She read my letter and she's like, I want to see more of this. And I remember like sitting in my room, getting that email and I'm like, is this real? Like, should I call my mom and tell her, <laughs> is this re- like, should I get ad- advice from my mother? Cause she's like my voice of reason. And, um, so I called my mom and she's like, well, sure, go ahead. She seems legit. Go ahead, do it. So I sent her the full thing. And I think the next day she was like, I really like this story. I would like to be your agent. And she like forwarded all her contact information and the contract. And I was just like, oh my gosh, is this really how it happens? But I mean, from the time that I was querying, I want to say it's a little on the shorter side compared to like other things that I've heard. It was about three months. So I consider myself kind of lucky. Like I was very systematic in what I was going to do with getting the agent and, um, I'm so lucky I have Jill. She's like everything to me. She, anytime that I'm feeling like, like, oh my gosh, my writing sucks today. Or can you look over this? Like she's like always on it, ready to give me feedback and everything. After I got Jill as my agent, we we were like, okay, we have to fix a couple things with the manuscript, like just itty bitty things. Um, Apparently I'm not a very good spell checker. Because there are a lot of like mistakes going on in there. And she's like, we have to fix these things before we send it off to like real publishers. So we fixed a bunch of stuff. We've worked on that for about a month. Then we started sending it off. And I, the day that she sent it off to like publishers and things, I was so nervous. Like, I don't think I slept that night. I was just like, oh my gosh, what are people going to say? Are they going to like it? 
am I ever going to be a published author? Is this really happening right now? And so, I mean, it was kind of a long process. We got, you know, a couple bites here and there. And then um, Jill's like, you know, because a bunch of like ebook people were like wanting the book. And she's like, no, just hold out. I feel it. I know that this is going to, you know, get a better deal than this. So we held out for a little bit longer. And um, Christy Otaviano at Christy Otaviano Books, which is an imprint of Henry Holt and Macmillan, they they hit Jill up and they're like, oh, we really like this. And so um, they wanted me to make a couple changes. And after I made those changes, we sent it off. And then a couple weeks later, we heard back and they're like, yep, this is the one. We would like it. That's great. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how it happened. That's wonderful. So when it comes to, you mentioned how you are a teacher. Uh, have you had to kind of discipline yourself or some or develop some sort of schedule for yourself as to uh, where and when you kind of carve out your time for writing amongst teaching and grading and doing your own reading and just, you know, everyday life things. Is there, have you kind of been able to develop a, a system for yourself or a schedule? It's been very difficult. Um, I've had to try tons of different things to get myself to write because you know, you go into work at 7.30 in the morning and you don't get home until 4.30. And by the time you get home, you know, you've been dealing with your kids, you've been dealing with grading, you've been dealing with meetings and parents and all kinds of things in the classroom setting that you're completely wiped by the time that you get home. And so um, over the past year and a half, I've been making an effort to write every day, at least for an hour, because I think that for the first 10 or 15 minutes of that, I'm going to hate everything that I write, but the last 45 minutes are gonna be those golden minutes. And so I have a strict, you get home, you write, get it out of the way, so that way you can, you know, make dinner and read or do, you know, grade work and all those other things that I do in my life. So, oh, and work out, because I have to work that in there too, otherwise it's not gonna be good. So, I mean, I've just really tried to be hard on myself and I've actually had like my family and my boyfriend and everyone like really get on me about things too. I'm like, guys, if you see me on like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything, like just give me a call and say, what are you doing? You know, this is your writing time. And so they've been really good about it. I'm like, even if you have to be mean to me, like just call me out. Right. <laughs> tell me I'm being really bad. I'm supposed to be writing right now. So with their help and, you know, with my, it's a working progress, my self-discipline, mm-hmm. um, it's been getting done. And so then as a teacher uh, and a writer, have you found that the things you have have experienced and are going through uh, as a writer and going through the editing process and, and things of that nature has helped inform you as a teacher when you go to instruct your students on writing? Oh my gosh, every day. I tell them all the time, (laughs) especially when we're writing like essays and things. I'm like, guys, like this is not going to fly. You cannot use the letter U to say Y-O-U and things like that. And so I feel like I'm really tough on myself. And then when I'm talking to my students, I'm like, giving them the same like tough talk that I would give myself as a writer because I'm like, Oh my gosh, you can do so much better than this. And, um, you know, just kind of like helping them in the same way that I would want someone to help me in my writing career. So it's kind of informed me 
a lot about, first off, grammar. Oh my gosh, I've learned so many new grammar rules. It's insane. And so I'm always like starting the day off with the, you know, with the class, like, hey guys, I just learned that, you know, I don't know, the Oxford comma, you can use it or you cannot use it. It kind of just depends on what you're going for and things like that. And so they're always like, what grammar rule do you have now, Miss Brownlee? Because <laughs> I know I'm a grammar nerd now. And so then uh, with being a teacher and being a YA writer, do you mainly, uh, when you do your personal readings, stay within the YA category or do you uh, kind of read more broadly? I, for the most part, stayed within the YA category. Um, I, I've really tried. I really try to kind of branch out and go, you know, with other genres, but it's really difficult for me because I've been reading YA for so long that I'm just kind of like stuck in this world. Um, I'm not the biggest nonfiction reader. I will, like, it has to really interest me for me to pick up something nonfiction and get into it. So if it doesn't involve like dolphins or sharks or any seahorses or any marine life like that, I'm most likely not going to pick it up. Um, unless it's like some big time celebrity who's telling their life story, like, um, I don't know, Anna Kendrick or someone like that, or Meghan Markle, like it takes a lot for me to really pick up nonfiction just because I always feel like someone's forcing me to read it. Like I feel like I'm back in, you know, middle school and high school where someone's forcing me to read nonfiction and it just feels that way to me. And I, I really can't get out of it. But for the most part, I do stay within the YA category, not so much fantasy, more YA contemporary historical fiction or um, romance for the most part. That's great. So a few questions as we wind down here. First one is, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Well, I enjoyed the book and I enjoyed the movie of Everything, Everything by Nicole Leoon. Oh my gosh, I remember I read the book in like a day. It was so good. I could not even put it down. And then I went to see the movie, I want to say the next week or so, with one of my coworkers and it was everything I didn't even know that I needed. Like I loved the movie as much as I loved the book, which doesn't happen often because I'm that kind of person who sits in the theater and I'm like, that wasn't in the book. Um, but, and there are those moments in, there were those moments in everything, everything, but I wasn't upset about those types of things like I would normally be. Um, so I think that's probably my favorite movie based off of a book. So the next question then, is there a book or series that you're willing to admit that you've either never gotten around to reading or you simply weren't able to finish? I have not yet gotten into the Court of Mist and Fury series by Sarah J. Mass. Um, I really want to, and I'm kind of like on the fence about it because it is fantasy and I don't normally read a whole lot of fantasy, but I've heard so many great things about this series that I'm just like, okay, maybe I should give it a try. But I feel like it's too mainstream for me right now. <laughs> and um, I kind of want to like give it time sure. to like, you know, grow on me a little bit more, even though it's like really, I own all the books. They're on my bookshelf, but I'm just like, I can't read them right now because everyone's talking about them and I don't want to be in you know, the mainstream talk. (laughs) So I'm working my way to it, but it just hasn't happened yet. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Um, The last great book that I read is actually by a another 2018 debut author. Her name is Rachel Lynn Solomon. And she wrote this book entitled You'll Miss Me When I'm Gone. 
I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book, but, um, Uh oh my God, it is so good, right? It is. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, it involves these two, these two twin sisters and their mother has Huntington's disease. And so on their 18th birthday, they decide that they're going to take this test to see if they have it. And, um, what ends up happening is one of them gets it and one or one of them is going to develop it and one of them isn't. And their entire lives that they've been building up to ha- are both of them are going to change based on the results. And they do. And it's just it's so amazing. Like, I'm amazed at how Rachel was able to create these two very distinct voices and characters, even though they're twins. It's they just are two completely different people. And I love when authors are able to do that within the same book. Like you get Adina's voice and you get Tova's voice. And it's just, it was just so flawlessly done that I, I can't say anything more about it other than like, I just really love that book. (laughs) Yes, it it is a good one. Well, Wrong in All the Right Ways comes out on July 17th. Uh, Congratulations on the book, Tiffany, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. I really, I really enjoy this. This is so much fun. (laughs) Great. And that does it for another episode of What Book Cooked You. Special thanks to Tiffany Brownlee for joining me. Her book, Wrong in All the Right Ways, comes out on July 17th. So I hope you'll check it out. And if you'd like to check out the interview I had with Rachel Lynn Solomon, she's the author of the book that Tiffany was talking there at the end, you can find a link to it in the show notes. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.